Hey, someone downtown. This is Kent. What you're about to listen to is a podcast episode with me describing my experience growing up and living with OCD. And in it, there, obviously, just with the nature of this, in order to describe it in a way that was realistic and uh, maybe helpful to others who have either experienced it or, or walked with others who have experienced it, I have to get into some graphic uh, language or graphic, I guess, uh, imagery really more. Uh, I, I try to keep it to a, a PG level, but I just want to uh, warn you on the front uh, so as to uh, not be surprised uh, or shocked, um, but to be able to take it in as just a, a description and a story of an experience that is common to myself, a lot of people at Summit Downtown, and I think a lot of people in the world, and possibly yourself. Hello, Soma Downtown. I'm back for another Nature Cast, which is a podcast that I do out in nature. And you can hear birds chirping and power drills working and other random beautiful things that just inspire us in God's creation. And I want to talk this week about OCD. Obsessive Compulsive Disorder, which if you have been at SOMA for a while, you know I uh, have regularly talked about that as this is a personal struggle for myself is OCD. And this isn't just self-indulgent, though. I want to talk about this because a few reasons. One, I have met a, uh, shall we say, buttload of people at Soma Downtown who struggle with OCD or have been diagnosed with OCD. When I say buttload, by the way, I mean, I mean the metric buttload, not the imperial buttload. And yeah, so lots of people, lots of people, like maybe the highest concentration of people that I, I know to be true. And at first I was like, well, that's just a lot of people at one place. But then I think I've realized since then that actually, no, I think that's, that's actually a good measuring stick of a lot of our culture right now. A lot of American culture, like OCD is actually pretty darn prevalent. And I think there might even be some reasons uh, that I have hypotheses about that I don't know if I'll get into today or not about why that is, but it's pretty prevalent. I think across the country, maybe across the globe. And I think the third reason that it's important to know about OCD is because I, I feel pretty strongly that OCD is actually something that anybody can work themselves into or out of. And so there might be people that might not have historically been prone to OCD that actually maybe, maybe even because of things like the stressfulness of you know, COVID-19 and, and social distancing and quarantine added with, you know, racial tension and, uh, political tension, like you might actually be experiencing some anxiety that is pretty connected to OCD. And the first thing that we need to talk about in this conversation is what is OCD versus what it's not, because it's probably very commonly misunderstood because people think of like, I'll, we'll talk about OCD. And I've even mentioned to some people that know OCD and some people who likely are not OCD. We'll say like, oh, I know, me too. Like I always, I always have to, you know, make sure that the volume control on the television is, you know, at an, a zero or a five, you know, it's at 15 or it's at 20 and on the volume number. Uh, or yeah, like I know I always like to, you know, make sure that this my, like I'm on an even number in my speed limit. 
which those things could be, I guess, OCD if added with a number of other factors. But a lot of times those, like everybody has things like that. Everybody has things like that. That's not OCD. That's, that's just being human. What OCD is, is particularly is obsessive compulsive disorder. And most people think of compulsive behavior, but it's actually compulsive thoughts. That is really the, the crux of OCD or intrusive thoughts. These are things like things that you don't want to think, things that make you maybe feel guilt or shame or fear, but for whatever reason, you're thinking about them now. And the more you try to stop thinking about them, actually, the more you think about them. It's like the more you try to cut off one dragon's head, a whole host of, you know, three heads grow back. And then you do that again and again and again until you're just surrounded by a dragon with thousands of heads. And in OCD, I've actually compared it to um, in season two of Stranger Things. If you're not familiar, it's okay. I can catch you up. Um, and, but if you're planning to watch, then I guess, I don't know, go watch right now. Spoiler. So in season two of Stranger Things, they come against what they call to be the mind flayer. It's the, this dark force that attaches, attaches itself, attaches itself to Will Byers, who is one of the characters who just takes a beating in that show. And he gets attached uh, with the mind flayer and the mind flayer is, it exists in his head. It's an alternative person, an alternative personality. And it can see what he sees and know what he knows and can push things into his mind. But yet he's still very much so present there too. You can talk to Will or you could talk to the mind flayer. They're both there. Uh, again, this is almost kind of sounds like multiple personality disorder, but here's the difference is because like with OCD, it's like you have someone in your mind observing you completely not connected to who you are. And it is a very antagonistic, very antagonistic personality. And so it watches you, it observes you, it observes what is most shameful to you, what is most uh, guilt or anxiety inspiring, what inspires the most anger. And then it takes that image or that thought and it pushes it in front of your mind. And it says, hey, think about this. Now we'll switch from Stranger Things to Inside Out. Inside Out, you got like the inside of a person with their emotions, you know, the motion control board, and they got their memory, and they just take memories, and they push them up onto the screen for for their human that they are inside of to think of. And it's like they are now, like the Mind Flayer now has observed you, found what you find to be, you know, all these, that bring up all these horrible underlying emotions. And it just pushes it up in front of your mind. Think about this now. And you think, oh my gosh, I can't think about that. I'm a horrible person. Oh my gosh, I don't want to think about that. Uh, oh my gosh, that's, it, what does that mean of me if I think about that? And the more you try to not think about it, it's not just like, oh, you know, like trying to not think about vampires, you know, makes you think about vampires. I mean, there's that element, but it's even like, I remember in fifth grade, I had, um, I will actually not share the specifics of this one because, um, well, maybe I will. So, uh, I'm, I will, but let me, let me jump ahead or let me, let me not jump ahead and, and continue to describe what OCD is. So again, OCD, it's a 
compulsive thinking, intrusive thoughts that just come. And the more you try to push them down, the more they pop up. They'll pop up at the same time of day. They'll pop up more often. And where you get to compulsive OCD being not just compulsive thoughts, but compulsive behavior is that you figure out at some way or some time, there's something you can do to kind of make the thoughts either feel better or go away. And you'll do things, you'll, you'll do whatever it is and it'll make it go away and it works. And then you do it again and it works, but it doesn't work quite as effectively. You have to do whatever you did like more times or longer. And you just have to, you know, kind of at the mercy of whatever it feels like it finally lets Let's it go. See, what's actually going on neurologically in OCD is you are, your brain has, you could break it down to a lot of different components, but one way to conceptualize the brain is the two components of the reptilian brain and the mammalian brain. Your reptilian brain is your fight or flight, your base instincts, you know, you're just instinctual layer of emotions and, and thoughts and, and not even really thoughts. I mean, it's just, it's just instincts. Your mammalian brain, on the other hand, is your reasoning, your critical thought, your putting meaning behind things, you're, you're you know, able to deduce uh, or, or, you know, induce, and, and all that comes in the mammalian brain. What's going on in a person who is struggling with OCD is they are having something in their reptilian brain fire off. Hey, this is dangerous. Hey, this is shameful. Hey, this is, uh, this is you know, something you should think about. And it doesn't ever go to the mammalian brain and therefore it never gets reasoned to the point of, well, that's a crazy thought. That's not true. So again, everybody has thoughts like this. Everybody has dark thoughts. Everybody has, uh, you know, thoughts that are irrational, but most people just be like, they go to the mammalian brain and they think like, oh, that's weird and not true. And I just dismiss it and it falls off into the nothingness. But for someone with OCD, it's like a thought that's on a conveyor belt. And while everybody else is, they just drop it off the conveyor belt, pick that up. That's not supposed to be there. And they let it fall off into the nothingness of the, the recesses of their, their mind and soul. With OCD, it gets stuck on the conveyor belt. And it comes around again and 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 again, and again, and again until it's plaguing you 24-7. And the other important thing to know about OCD is it can take many different forms, many different themes. And so they'll have things like um, violent thought OCD. It's where you're walking down the street and all of a sudden you have a violent thought. I should stab that person in the neck. Oh my gosh, what is what in the world? Why would I just think that? Do I think that? Am I, am I a sociopath? Am I crazy? I, I, what, what in the world is wrong with me? Um, I remember a lot of times when I had children, I would like be walking with the stroller and think I should push the stroller out in the traffic. And it'd be like, what, 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 like what father would ever think that? What, who would ever do that? And it would be like, I, it would make me petrified to push our stroller, uh, particularly by busy streets. Uh, cause I was just like, what if I do it? What if I just did that? Like, I mean, I just thought it that impulsively. What if I did it that impulsively? And so you can have violent thought or, or just, yeah, dark thought OCD. Uh, you can have contamination themed OCD. This is your classic, uh, one that a lot of people know about because they, know things like, oh, it's like when you wash your hands a bunch because you just feel clean or you have germs in your hands. So that's, that is the classic form of contamination themed OCD, which is again, I touch something and now I just, my hands feel like dirty. I just, I feel like I'm, I'm going to get sick and die or something like that. And I just, or I, or yeah, it's just going to make me sick. Maybe it's not death, but 
it's just something it's gonna be unpleasant and now i gotta wash my hands and i just won't feel right i won't feel like my equilibrium is back until i wash my hands and so you wash your hands and it makes you feel better but then you touch something again and you wash your hands and it's just like ah did i get them exactly right did i get the fingernails right did i get on the wrists right i just don't feel like it's not fully off and so you do it again you, you know you wash your hands twice that time and maybe it works and then maybe the next time it's you wash yourself wash your hands five times and then it's uh, 25 times and then it's a, you know you're washing your hands for a straight 45 minutes rubbing them raw like you're in the midst of COVID-19 and you just are, you can never feel, it, it gets to the point where you just never feel clean and you want to take a whole shower every time you touch something. And that's where you've just let it grow and grow and grow. And you've cut off so many of the dragon's heads that now there are thousands of heads and they surround you everywhere you look. And so that's one form of contamination themed OCD. I've had a form of contamination themed OCD in my life, but it actually wasn't your classic, like touching things. Typically it was actually, um, more morally connected like uh it was like if i breathe something in that i just found to be morally reprehensible um my favorite example is that uh for whatever reason i deemed that i could not as a child breathe in marilyn manson <laughs> and, you know marilyn manson was a recording artist uh hard rock and just you know i mean if you know him you, you know he's uh, just you know a real character <laughs> and, uh, real real character that marilyn and uh if you don't know him then you can google him and the first few images will tell you probably all you need to know about uh, to, for, for this to be understandable yeah he was goth rock and i just found i don't know why but i just like felt like i just can't like i feel like i will be it will be a failure to god I mean, truly, it, it, uh, there's, I'm going to talk about in a second, uh, scrupulosity, which is religious themed OCD, uh, which plays on moral, uh, your moral center or, you know, whether it's a, a, your moral, you know, connection to a God, to a God or a faith or to uh, just moralism in general. And so I, it would play on me there of like, oh, I, I, I feel like to breathe that in is just like to connect with something demonic and connect with something that's not good and so um if i was watching mtv or something you know that's where Marilyn manson probably is most likely to come on when i'm growing up i'm, I'm watching mtv watching trl and all of a sudden you know a commercial or an interview or something pops on with Marilyn manson i would then have to empty all the oxygen out of my lungs like while i was still on that channel uh, channel 29 in my hometown of MTV, pump all the air. And like, you know, once I got it all out, I'd do a couple extra like efforting pumps to like basically vacuum suck my lungs out. Then I would change the channel and wait until it went away and then come back. And it was like something about changing the channel or if it was really bad, I'd turn off the TV and turn it back on. That's like what locked it in. That locked it all back in for whatever reason in my mind. And... And so I had contamination themed with that. I also had contamination themed on the complete polar opposite side of that, which was like ultra, ultra feminine imagery, uh, like certain bows and floral print. And I mean, that actually lasted long into my uh, adult life. I mean, even when we were having a daughter, uh, when we were having Greta, like Sharon, I mean, she early on with her, a lot of her clothing would be like, she'd like, like a clothing but it'd have some sort of bow or have something on it and she'd be like you can't handle that candy like no no i can't and so she would actually cut it off she would actually do like clothing surgery and cut off whatever i found just to be you know repulsing my contamination themed ocd so that i would not like and, and even then i would like she'd wear the shirt and she'd be like you're thinking about it aren't you I'm like I, I can't not <laughs> and 
And I, again, I don't know why. I really, you know, I'm, I'm looking into that in my mind, my thoughts and counseling, and I'm, I'm more interested to find out, like, why kind of those two extremes, like gothic rock and, uh, and then, you know, bows and floral. And, but, it, yeah, even as most recent as, you know, our, you know, our daughter's a year old, even as most recent as this year, I, you know, we were cutting things off her clothes, and eventually we realized we can't do that. And I'll, I'll get back to that in a second. But, yeah, that's... Uh, that's contamination themed OCD. Um, there is, um, homosexual themed OCD. This actually is what I was referring to just a moment ago. When I was in fifth grade, I used to walk in from recess every day and I had uh, a male teacher in the fifth grade and every day upon walking in, I had a sexual thought about him. And it was like, oh my gosh, what is, what, what's wrong with me? Oh my goodness. Like what, what in the world? Uh, you know, is that true of me? You know, like one of the things about OCD is they'll say it's a person completely overvaluing their thoughts. Like if I think it, it must be true. And a lot of times if you don't have that, if you're not stuck in your reptilian brain, you're just like, Oh, I thought that, but that's not true of me. So you just move on. But like in this case, you're like, no, I thought it has to be true. And so I would push it out of my mind every day, but then every day upon walking in from recess, I, that thought would come to me the same. I would hit the same point walking across the room in the classroom, walking to my desk and it would revisit me every day and it would just become a tyrannical mind flare. Just saying, Oh, this makes you feel guilt and shame. Think about this. Think about it more. Look how horrible you are. And I, I grew up just like thinking, I don't know. You don't think anything. You don't like people are just like, how did you not know this was not normal? It's like, cause you just don't, just don't talk about it. It's just your experience. Uh, the other, just a couple more of these themes. Cause I think this will be helpful for people just to identify maybe times where they've experienced them themselves or, or just to kind of know more what's going on. One of the most frustrating themes is just right OCD. And this one is the most ambiguous because it makes you just want to feel just right. I just want to feel just right. And it could be just right about like you're saying, just right about what it could be anything. It could be absolutely anything. You could pick up something like uh, you just pick up a, you know, a pair of socks. And then for whatever reason, you know, like you had a day where you just got up and you felt good right side of the bed. You picked up a pair of socks. You just felt so right. You're like, man, I feel really good right now. The next day you get up and you pick up that same pair of socks. You're like, wait a second. That didn't feel like yesterday. That didn't feel right. You put them down, you pick them up. No, still no. Put them down, pick them up. That felt just right. Yeah, that was it. And so like, okay, I just had to do it until I felt just right. And now you're doing it. And so you have to just feel just right. And you're picking up, you're putting down and picking up socks hundreds of times. And you're like, this is crazy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. For me, just right OCD came in the form of wanting to feel like my, my body was balanced, particularly my right side and my left side. And then of course, you know, the most obvious representation of your right and left side are your arms and legs. And so I would want to make sure that my arms and legs, the left leg and the right leg and the left arm or the left hand and right hand were like, even when it came to walking over cracks in the sidewalk, walking over uh, breaks in carpeting or thresholds of doors, touching something or picking something up. And so there was a point where I would, I would pick something up with my left hand. And then I was like, oh, I got to even that out. I don't feel right. I feel a little bit off. And so I'd pick it up in the right hand. I'm like, okay, that felt right. And I did that for a while. But, but then eventually I realized, oh, I, I, I feel not right because I picked this up first with my left hand. And then I picked it up with my right. I need to then now pick it up again with my right and then my left. 
And that made me feel just right for a little bit. But then that went away. And so I was like, man, I can't just start this with my left and my right because that's still a pattern primarily started by the left. And so then I would pick it up with my left, pick it up with my right, pick it up with my right, pick it up with my left, pick it up with the right, left, left, right, right, left, left, right, left, right, right, left. And it would go on and on until I felt just right. And I, eventually, one of the, it was one of those thing, times where I was getting into that. It was like, I got to stop this. This is controlling my life. I didn't ever think like, oh, this is OCD or this is wrong. Or I was just like, this is just too much. I, I can't take this. And, and it just continued to prey on the sense of I have to feel just right. But of course, you can never, you can never pick something up evenly with both hands. Uh, OCD demands a level of certainty. It demands this level of certainty. I'm not a raw, bad person. I'm not a shameful person. Uh, everything's going to be okay. I, I can figure everything out. And if you can't get that certainty, you just sit there and crave it and find ways to try to produce it in you that are ultimately unsatisfying. So they grow bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. You can never get the certainty that OCD requires, which is why, yeah, it just, it grows like wildfire. And so if just right OCD, um, maybe last, uh, again, there's tons of things. You can have relational OCD. I won't go into that. Just constantly wondering if your relationship will leave you, break up with you, be gone with you, be done with you. You're not good enough for your relationship. They're, you're, they're not good enough for you. Um, and, and just continue to push that even when everything's fine. <laughs> and, uh, but you can have scrupulosity, which is religious themed OCD. Again, this is important because a lot of Christians who struggle with OCD struggle with this. And it's a level of like, I'm going to fail God. <laughs> I'm going to fail him. And so I feel called by him to do something and I just have to do it. Or I just feel like I failed him and he will damn me to hell forever. And this one's the hardest one because like, you're like, oh man, if I'm wrong, <laughs> it ain't good. But it's still just such a lie. Like for me, it, the, the, this is going to sound crazy, but I, you're like, okay, Kent, there's not been a gosh darn second of this podcast that hasn't not sound crazy. Yep. Well, good point. But I believed in high school that just God would show me a piece of trash and I needed to protect and steward his good creation and love my neighbor as I love myself by picking up that piece of trash. And so I think it started because I would like go on runs. I, I ran cross country in high school and I'd go on runs and I'd like see like stuff out in the middle of the road, like that cars could hit. And I'd be like, I got to get that out of the way. Someone's going to hit that. If, if that was in the road and I hit it, I'd be really upset. Like I, I'd want someone to take it out for me. So I'm going to take it out for them. And so I take stuff out of the road and I go and get it out for cars. Not a bad thing. But then, yeah, again, I'd see trash and I'd be like, okay, I got to get that. Like, I, I got to make this, you know, I got to think of the janitor of our high school. I got to think of, you know, the teacher of our classroom. I got to think of this. And so I'm going to get that and I'm going to pick that up. And it got to the point where I was picking up trash all the time. My friends would be like, man, you're going to be like the weirdest, happiest janitor someday, man. Because you're just like, you like just love picking up trash. I'm like, no, actually, I hate it. But I just feel like I can't do it and be faithful to God. And so it would be so bad that, again, I would go on runs and like in cross country, you know, you do long runs. And so I'd be like on six or seven mile runs and I'd see something on the road and I'd pick it up and I'd go take it to a trash can. Because, you know, you're running, you just go down an alley and throw it in a trash can. And then I'd be running again and see something else and I go out of my way and I pick that up and then a third thing and a fourth thing and a fifth thing and then eventually it's like I'm never going to get done with this run if I don't like just stop picking something up and so I would see something and I'd go by it and I'd be like no I'm not picking that up and I'd run by and I'd run a half mile and I'd still be thinking about it and a mile and I'd still be thinking about it and a mile and a half and I'd still be thinking about it and two miles and I'd be like dang it and I would turn around and run two miles back 
pick it up and then run, continue on with the run and finish it and like add another four miles of round trip onto my run to pick up that stupid piece of trash. Otherwise, God was going to look at me and say, get away from me. I never knew you. <laughs> clearly, clearly not the spirit. We did a podcast on discerning the voice of the spirits a couple weeks ago. Clearly not the voice of the spirit. And so these are all the different forms. Again, there's, I mean, there are about as many forms. You can have existential OCD. That's a rough one. I have to know the secrets to the meaning of the universe, or I just have to know the truth and the reality of who God is and what he's done. And those things always take a little element of faith and therefore can never be certain. And so it demands certainty of something that you can't really ever get evidence on. And that's what it's always doing. It's demanding like certainty on something you can't get the evidence on. It's about the future. It's uncertain. Or it's demanding certainty about, you know, that you, that's not true of you. And it's just like, you're a complex person. You're, you're a mix bag of desires and and good and sinful and all in between and so it just demands these things that are impossible and it just frustrates you and so the way that I actually learned I was OCD is I was going to a marriage counselor and the marriage counselor like three or four sessions in Sharon and I four years in marriage we're doing marriage counseling because we just hit some points that we just could not get through uh, arguments just kept coming up again and again and again, frustration more than not. And so we're like, okay, we just need to get some counseling to work through these. And we're like session four of counseling or something. I'm going in there and I'm just talking about different stuff. And the counselor is like, he starts asking me a bunch of random questions that were not about our marriage, just about me. Uh, I'm trying to fish out a lot of the things I've just told you here. And I just answer casually in ways that I'm like, well, this is true. Maybe this is true. Maybe this is true of humanity. You know, this is just what it is to be human. And he's like, oh, Oh, you're like textbook OCD. I'm like, but excuse me, uh, you're a marriage counselor, man. Stay in your lane, pal. And he's like, yeah, no, you're you're textbook OCD. Here's Zoloft. <laughs> Just give me prescription of Zoloft. And at that point, I was like really homeopathic. Like I believed if you couldn't, you know, fix something by drinking water and getting more sleep, then it just wasn't worth fixing. And so I was like, get away from me, Satan. And I just couldn't take it. But then I went back and started reading about OCD, and I started being like, oh, oh, oh. I thought this was everyone's experience, but it turns out this may or may not be OCD. And I came across something that was helpful at that time. It was called the, the reason the gospel is unique to fight OCD. And it explains in the article that OCD, particularly shame or guilt-based OCD. Remember, I'm doing now something or thinking something that just makes me feel shameful for who I am. Okay. The more taboo the thought, the more it's probably going to be likely just coming to the person who doesn't want to have it. And so depending on what was taboo in your family system and your hometown and your, you know, uh, faith uh, or background of growing up or whatever, whatever is the most taboo thing is probably what you're struggling with. And you think a thought and you think, oh my gosh, is that true of me? Like, what in the world? How could I ever think that? I'm just a horrible person. But the gospel, because it is just true that you are a sinner, <laughs> that you are jacked up. It is the beautiful truth that allows you to say like, okay, yeah, that can be true of me. But Jesus still died for my sin. I'm still completely his in Christ uh, or completely God's in Christ. I'm still an adopted son, adopted daughter of the most high king. Uh, there's nothing that will stand against me. Nothing that can separate me from the love of God. Even that thought, even if that is true, even if it's true. And there's 10 worse thoughts under that that are true. And, and that actually was the first time I was able to start putting to death some of the shame-based OCD because you'd like feel shame and all of a sudden be like, wait a second, it's okay if this is true. And then the mind flare would be like, oh, oh, there's no guilt or shame here. I'll just move on. 
I'll just move on. I'll lie low for a little bit. I'll wait till I find something else that's guilty or shameful. And then I'll shove that into your thinking. But until then, I'll just kind of let you, I'll go dormant for a while. And then I'd find something else and I'd be freaking out about it. And all of a sudden I'd realize what I was doing and I'd be like, oh, it's okay. So that, that was hugely helpful for a while. But the thing with OCD is it, it never goes away. You can work your way into it or out of it. But if ever you hit a season of stress, a season of a lot of uncertainty, I mean, really, you know, like what the world's going through right now, that's why I wonder, like, anybody who's ever had OCD is probably just, like, going crazy right now. Uh, And if you haven't had OCD, you're just, maybe you're having it for the first time. And so a certain uncertainty, stress can just trigger it, like, you know, and sometimes even stronger than before. And sometimes it's not guilt and shame based. It's, it's certainty based. Am I certain? You know, I, I remember I've had OCD sometimes attack the gospel for me. Am I certain of the gospel? Am I certain that Christ is enough for my salvation? Is that absolutely positively without a doubt true? And of course, like, if you're going to like put that kind of scrutiny on it, like you can always find some chapter and verse that says like, well, maybe not. And you could always find some way of interpreting the chapters and verses that say, absolutely, that's true. And be like, no, those aren't completely certain if you think of them this way. And so it always is going to produce a level of uncertainty because, again, it demands a level of uncertainty that's impossible. Like nobody has that kind of certainty in life. People are just typically used to living with it. But in OCD, you can't because, again, you can't reason out to think like, well, yeah, nobody has that level of certainty, but I'm probably okay. (laughs) Like, you know, like uh, there's no danger here. And so... What we learned just this past year was the real gold standard for pushing OCD down or or cutting it off, cutting out without cutting off the heads and more heads growing back, but starving the heads, starving the dragon. And it is called ERP or um, exposure response prevention, or you could call exposure ritual prevention. And what it is, is you... Expose yourself to whatever it is that is causing compulsive thoughts and anxiety, shame, guilt, fear. And you just sit there and you don't do whatever the thing is that you would do to make it feel better. Because you are exposing and you are preventing your response. You're preventing the ritual. And what you're doing is you are retraining the reptilian brain. Again, this is reptilian brain misfire. There is no reasoning with the reptilian brain. So if you want to go to like talking counseling, you're never going to be able to talk this out. You're never going to be able to like just figure it out because it's not focused around reasoning. It's not focused about understanding. The only way to do, to teach instinct that it's not in danger, that it's not right, is to prove it experientially. And so the, the metaphor that's used is like, it's like getting into a cold swimming pool. And if you get into a cold swimming pool, you jump in and first thing you're like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. I want to get out. And if you do get out at that moment, you're like, oh, that was, that was way uncomfortable. I didn't like that at all. I don't, I don't want to do that again. And you'll just not want to go in. And maybe you'll try to get in again, but it'll be even worse. And you're like, oh, I'm out again. But if you get in the pool and stay in the pool and just swim around in the pool and eventually you don't even notice the temperature of the water anymore. Eventually, you adjust, and it just becomes normal. And now you can swim and have a good time. And ERP is like that. You put yourself in an uncomfortable situation, uncomfortable in anxiety, uncomfortable in 
shame, uncomfortable, like this makes me feel guilty. Like this reminds me of my guilt. Like, okay, well, I'm going to intentionally go into that. I'm going to walk towards it. The best shift of thinking I heard on a podcast about OCD was somebody saying like, I used to feel anxiety or or fear, shame. And I'd be like, oh, I got to get away from it. And now I think, oh, I'm entering the arena to kill another piece of this dragon. And so you enter into the arena with a dragon and instead of running away, you just stare at it. Here's, here's a real life example. Um, not exactly of mine, though I sometimes do do this, of ERP when it comes to contamination-themed OCD. So again, contamination-themed, if I touch something or, you know, maybe like, let's say somebody who like, they touch something and they feel dirty. And so what they're going to do now is they're going to touch something. And not just touch something, they're going to touch something that they normally struggle to touch. And they touch it and they don't wash their hands. Don't go wash your hands. Don't do it. Whatever you do, don't wash your hands for the next 48 hours. Don't even take a shower. And then they're going to work on that until it's like, Oh, it's like ripping their fingernails out, but they're able to eventually get to the point where like, okay, they can kind of do that. So now they're going to touch that thing, whatever they struggle to touch, you know, I don't know, a, uh, the, the doorknob of a public entryway, they're going to touch it and they're going to smear their hand over their face. And they're not going to wash their hands. They're not going to wash their face. They're not going to take a shower. They're just going to live with that. They're just going to stay in the water. And then they're going to find, eventually in a couple of weeks, they'll be able to see a piece of food on the floor. And they're going to intentionally pick up that piece of food on the floor, even see dirt or grass on it, pick it off, maybe even a piece of hair, pick it off and eat it. You're like, that is completely disgusting. Absolutely it is. And believe me, You don't have to tell that person that. They've spent their entire life running from far less disgusting things than that. They know it. It's because it's so absolutely disgusting is why that has to, that's just the best, the colder water to jump into. And they do that and they slowly prove to their brain, okay, maybe you do get sick because you ate something off the floor. It's okay. It's not going to kill you. Okay, maybe, you know, you touch it and you do feel uncomfortable, but that feeling's not going to kill you. You're fine. You can live through that. But, and eventually your reptilian brain is like, wait a second. This, I don't need to fight or flight. I don't need to fight or fly. I, I thought this was, I was screaming out danger and this is actually okay. Now, again, this is a little bit trickier when you're in a global pandemic because there actually is something that can kill you and others out there. But <laughs> there actually is an, uh, a uh, episode of the OCD stories, which is a helpful podcast, not a Christian podcast, but a helpful podcast on OCD that talked right when all this came out of like, how should a person with OCD respond to coronavirus and COVID-19? And I thought that was hugely helpful. I sent that to a few people I talked to about OCD and I, that helped me. I hope it helped them. So there are ways to think about it. Even then I'm like, well, if the recommendation is washing your hands for 45 seconds, then 45 seconds and stop. You don't go for five minutes. And, but either way you have, that level. Oh, here's, here's the kicker. Now, like the next thing, the last thing they're going to do is they're going to eventually just like go, you know, pick up a toilet seat and touch the inside ring and just not wash their hands and go eat a burger. And you're like, these people are disgusting. Yeah. These people are fighting to be free. These people know that, that the more they can all of a sudden do the opposite of what used to like paralyze them all of a sudden it's like whoa this is like a superpower i can actually interact with things that are extremely dirty and yes probably unsanitary and probably not good to do all the time but a few times is not going to kill you and it's going to remind you that you're okay that god is a good father and he's got you and so for me erp looks like 
a thousand little decisions. Because like if I would put the thing to my OCD right now, it would be perfectionism thinking or perfectionism seeking. I just seek for things to be perfect. They have to be so perfect. And if there's like, if something's perfect, if all of a sudden I'm like, man, I'm so comfortable right now. I'm like, I'm so happy right now. I'm so perfect. Now my mind immediately starts thinking like, find the thing that's not perfect. Find the part of the body that itches. Find the part of the body that's no good. Find the thing in the room that's, that's, that's unnerving. And I now, and then of course you find it really quick. You can find like 20 of them right away. And now I just, oh, I got to fix them all. And uh, why I lost that perfection? Why, why in the world did I ever think it was perfect? Because I knew once I did that, I was stressed about it. And, and so what I do with ERP is I intentionally seek out imperfection. And so if something is perfect, I go and I create the imperfection. I don't look for it. I create it. Or I look for it and I find it and I say, yes, finally, gotcha. All right, good. Now the perfection is off the table and I can just enjoy the moment. So uh, here's one way I do it. I was tempted to say this is going to sound crazy, but again, we've already been over that. My children, I make breakfast in the morning for my children. And I put all of their breakfast on little colorful plates. They, you know, got red and yellow and green and orange and blue. And there are certain color combinations. In fact, I could go through all the plates with the dish, you know, before we wash them and put them together in ways that are just like the right color combinations, you know. And and sometimes it's different times of year, you know. Of course, in December, it's like you get the red and green ones out together. In the fall, the orange and yellow kind of like fall colors and and I think about all this stuff. This is the kind of stuff I think about. This is the reason that I am both brilliant and crazy. But <laughs> I think about this stuff. And and maybe you're like, you're not that brilliant. No, fine. Just crazy then. But I I would see these and I would like be like, I'd try to put these together. But then sometimes, you know, somebody else would come along and combine them differently. And I'd only be left with the colors that didn't combine well, that kind of clash. Or it would be Christmas colors in July. And Christmas in July is just not what I was going for. And I would stress about that i'd stress about not only that the the spoons are all colored so you'd be matching the color spoon with the color plate and sometimes you you know and all the colors of the spoons and plates all together and the overall match and and so what i do now is i grab out the plates randomly and i just take the first three and if they are a horrible match great if they aren't, they're actually naturally ones I would have picked out. I put one back and I make them a horrible match. And I say, God has blessed me to give me this imperfection. And now I can just be with him in this moment. Or another thing, like my OCD would always play on like, you know, oh, I have to like, I have to perfectly end up with the most amount of money and save things, you know, again, I have to be a good steward of my resources. And so I can never like leave a light on, I can never leave a charger plugged in, because uh, that's just wasting money, a fan turned on. And so now I will go and intentionally plug in chargers and leave the house what leave all day. I don't care how much it costs. I used to go for the cheapest gas. Oh, man, if I didn't get the cheapest gas from gas guru, and I'd drive six miles for it and waste way more gas to get it. And now I mean, I just, every time I pull off, oh, perfect. The, the lowest price I've seen in the last 10 seconds. And I get it. And sometimes if I see two of them and they're across the street from each other, the gas stations, and one of them's two cents higher. Awesome. The second lowest price I've seen in the last 10 seconds. And then I 
pray and say, God, thank you. Thank you for this imperfection. It's a reminder that someday you will be the giver of all things perfect. You will be a giver of the new heavens and the new earth. And until then, I cannot hope to achieve that on my own. And now I'm actually free to enjoy you in the imperfection. And again, this is important because I actually think anybody can be working their way into this or out of this perfectionism thinking or imperfectionism. You, you can be thinking your way into certainty or uncertainty, shame or unshame. You can be feeding the dragon or you can be starving it. You can be cutting off heads or you can be starving it. And whether this is you or not, maybe this will just give you some compassion to something that you've seen in somebody where you're like, mm, man, yeah, maybe they got OCD. Maybe they don't. But regardless, there are ways out, there are ways forward, and they are mainly trusting in our good God who is gracious to forgive us for our shame and our guilt, who has made us beautifully even in the ways that we would say are shameful, who is giving us good gifts and holding our lives together even when it seems like the whole world is crashing down and can provide more abundantly that you can spend an extra two cents a gallon on gas and go across the street. You can leave something plugged in. You can do something imperfect and still experience him there. And so now OCD has almost become the way that I experience God. I experience my father. In a weird way, it's become a blessing. And yeah, it's a blessing that I would not wish on my worst enemy. Because man, you just listen to the people's stories. People can just, it can drive you insane to the point of, I got to end this. But now, yeah, I could have another down season of it. I could have another uncertainty that leads it to, to the dragon's head surrounding me. But right now, I feel like it's just, reminding me to come into the presence of my father and experience him in the imperfection. 